Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Ciao, 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 ciao a tutti. Oggi siamo in Toscano. All right, let's go back to English. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller. And today, today we are in Tuscany. Have you finished your espresso? How's the jet lag doing? I hope we're okay. Now, before we get started, just a little helpful reminder, you don't have to take any notes. I did that all for you. Go to my website, elizabethrfuller.com and look under the podcast show notes. Everything's there. If you have any food questions, send them to me at letsgoonafoodadventure@gmail.com. You go on any food adventures, tag me in all of your Instagram posts at letsgoonafoodadventure. So with that said, let's go on a food adventure together. So for those who don't know, Tuscany is a region that's kind of in the middle of Italy. Um, they have, it's got beautiful hillsides and countryside and lots of farmland. And it's just breathtakingly beautiful. The terrain is so different from every little nook and cranny and valley. And it's, it, it's, it really truly is breathtaking. Um, the major cities that are around Tuscany are would be like Florence, Bologna, um, Siena, Pisa, and some of Tuscany borderlines the western coast of Italy, but most of it, it we're talking about is kind of in the middle. So when we were in Tuscany, we were, like I said before, able to go to Italy, Todd and I, um, for three weeks, and we did about a full week in Florence. And when we were in Florence, we took a few day trips into Tuscany. So we'll talk about all of that when my guests come on because they're amazing. They are the most amazing tour guides literally on the planet and became our instant best friends from the moment we met them. Huge hugs. I'm like so humbled and thrilled that they agreed to come on here and we're going to all talk together and they're going to give us a beautiful experience together on this podcast and you don't even have to leave your house, but you're going to want to, and you're going to want to go to Tuscany. So one of the things, because this is a food adventures podcast and we're going to talk about food, I thought I would share this story with you. So when we were in Florence, there was this sandwich shop that we kind of, because with, okay, hold on. Let's back this party train up again. I'm getting ahead of myself. With Florence, Rome, Venice, Milan, like all of these beautiful major cities in Italy, you want to walk around them. You don't want to just take a cab. Like you literally want to stumble through these cities. Each one is so unique and so different. Like Venice, Venice looks like a movie set, literally like a movie set. Florence, art. Everywhere you look, you are going to get smacked in the face with some version of art, whether it be like a statue, a piazza, seeing Dante's house for Christ's sake, like Rome history. You can't walk down a side street in Rome without seeing something so historical that it will blow your socks off. Milan, fashion. What do I know about fashion, you ask? 
nothing. Well, I know what I like and what I can't afford and what I still buy, even though I can't afford it. But okay, I digress. Food. Beth, focus on food. And also, let me apologize in advance. I am fully caffeinated. So try to keep up. We were stumbling around the streets of Florence and we, and and like when you don't know a city that well, it's kind of like every street looks the same. So we walk by this sandwich shop and the line looked like, I mean, it was easily a few hundred people deep. So we Google because I'm like, well, if there's that many people waiting for a sandwich, this sandwich has got to be pretty, you know, banana pants amazing. Turns out it was voted the number one sandwich shop in the world. I know a lot of websites say that about a lot of things, but like it was on multiple websites that this was the number one sandwich shop in the world. And one thing you have to understand about my husband, he loves a good sandwich. So we were not going to leave Florence without getting the sandwich, but we were not going to wait for hours to get said sandwich. So I said to Todd, let's try to find another day. We can, I mean, we're here for a week. Like we don't need to eat it right now. He's like, no, I get it. I totally understand. I'm like, okay. Plus I had some vintage shopping to do where I did buy a gorgeous pair of Prada uh, flats to this day, still won't wear them because they look like art and I'm obsessed with them, but I did get them for a really good price and they kind of fell off the back of a truck, but that's a whole nother story. Love them. So uh, Sunday, cut to Sunday morning and we're walking around. We somehow end up back at the sandwich shop again. Only there's two people in line. Holy shit balls. So we, I look at Todd, Todd looks at me. It's like, I don't know, 10 AM on a Sunday morning. I'm, I'm fine to eat a sandwich for a Sunday morning. Like I have no problem with that. No shame in our game. So he's like, do you want to wait? I'm like, yeah, let's wait. Like, how long could it be? Look online. <laughs> it says they open at 11. It's like 10, 10 now. I'm like, I can suck it up. Like, we'd be third in line. Fuck it. So we're standing there waiting in line. And the other thing that you have to understand about Italy, the time that a place opens, especially if it says it on Google, it's merely a suggestion. It's not America. People people come and go as they damn well please in every other place in the world except for America. So uh, we're waiting. We're waiting. The line's getting longer and longer behind us. Now there's probably, well, it's probably been about an hour and a half at this point. A little over, maybe an hour and 15. I would say there's easily 100 people behind us. So everyone... Is kind of like, I thought they'd be open. Why aren't they open? Obviously all Americans. <laughs> and so then you see these guys start coming and like opening the, the sandwich shop up. And then like they had like a satellite sandwich shop across the street that was like, you couldn't pick the sandwich. They just kind of pre-made a bunch and like grab and go I think. I, I don't, to this day, I still don't know. But people then started, the excitement started building like, oh, they're going to open. They're going to open. They're going to open. So then they go to open the door to the sandwich shop. The the people inside, inside, trying to open the inside door to let us outsiders in. Oh, no, they don't have the key. So in Italian, I, I don't speak 
I mean, I now I really don't speak much Italian, but I'm working on it. But um, then I spoke a little bit more. And from the like four words I could understand, they didn't have the key. Okay. Who's got the key? Like, call, call Vincenzo. Get the key. So everyone's like, what's going on? Oh, my God. So you know me, of course. Of course, I have to tell everybody. I'm like, they don't have the key. Oh, my God, they don't have the key. And then, like, you know, you play telephone down the line of 100 and some odd people. By the end of that line, all of a sudden, like, the sandwich shop's going to explode. But anyway, so then about another half hour goes by. Their fresh bread isn't there yet. So now they don't – they found the key, but they can't really do anything because they don't have the bread to make the sandwiches. <laughs> So then another half hour goes by. Yeah, I know. I'm I am starving at this point. Like, say it with me, guys. Starving. I hear again in my very broken Italian, so I don't know if this is a hundred percent accurate, but they didn't have the money. So they now couldn't make change. So finally they got the bread. Everyone's cheering as the guy with this like huge stacks of freshly made, gorgeous sandwich bread comes and I mean like it's like thin super thin focaccia almost comes walking down the street just piles in his arms the smell was so intoxicating because I was starving he walks in everyone's like yay sandwich time no money no money. They couldn't make change. I said to Todd, I will give them money. Like, I don't need change at this point. We need to get these sandwiches. And we need, and like, we had already looked at the menu a thousand times. My order, I had that down. I could rattle it off in 10 seconds. Finally, everything opens up. We walk in. They're slicing each sandwich to order. So no wonder there's a huge line, right? Everything, when I tell you, we we got, I want to say, at least three sandwiches. Each sandwich could easily feed two people. Did we care? Absolutely effing not, because we weren't going to go back again, and we needed to have a little bite of everything. And even then, like, we barely scratched the sandwich surface. We ate them, so we sat on the, like, the. there's this river that runs through the center of Florence called the Arno, and it's, like, beautiful stone wall, you know, stone wall that everyone can sit on. And so we're sitting on the wall and we're eating our sandwiches and like the sun shining means January. So it's not super warm, but it's a heck of a lot warmer than it is there than it is here in New England. I'll tell you that. So we're eating our sandwiches. We might've gotten through maybe one total and we got three. So, and like, we were like sharing bites the whole time. So we wrap them up and like, we should go back to it because we rented an apartment. I was like, we should go back to the flat and like put them in the fridge. He goes, okay. So we do that. Todd then ate that sandwich, <laughs> the rest of the sandwiches for like two days. We'd come home from dinner and he'd be like, I think I just want one more bite of that sandwich. I'm like, oh my God, you're like Homer in the Simpsons. Like you're going to get sick. You have to, we had to finally, there was like two bites left of each sandwich. I'm like, you got to throw those out. Like they no longer like resemble what a sandwich should look like. But if you're in Florence, I highly recommend getting that sandwich. All right, let's answer some questions. Our first question, it comes from Kinsley. I had to say that six times before I even recorded this. In Georgia. I hope I'm saying that right, Kinsley. Kinsley. I'm very into baking right now. Sourdough breads, 
cookies, desserts. What can I bake that would be from Tuscany? Oh, there is one thing. Well, in theme of all things bread, because 2020 was the year of sourdough, which turned to be the new avocado, now let's talk about bread. Let's talk about bread from Tuscany, which is pan toscano. Pan toscano is unique to the region because, and it's super simple to make, the key though is they don't use salt at all in their bread. There's a few theories to why. And when we were there, we asked around and one of the more colorful stories that we heard was back in the Dizay, the people from Pisa and Florence got into a huge fight. They're not too far away, right? So they were like siblings. They used to pick on each other constantly. So the, I'm going to say this wrong, but oh well, the Pisan, the Pisan army decided to blockade the salt boats that were coming down the Arno River because Pisa's on the coast. And so that's where the mouth of the river and the ocean meet. So they're in like a harbor town <clears throat> and they were guarding basically these salt boats. So the, the people from Florence couldn't make salt, couldn't use salt in their bread. So they were just like, you know what, middle finger to them. Screw you guys. We're still making bread. So that's one of the theories of why there's no salt in the bread in Tuscany. The other theory, which I think is probably more plausible, is that in the Middle Ages, salt was such a valued commodity. And that region was pretty impoverished. I mean, it's more, it was so much, it is still so much farmland. And they couldn't afford salt. They put such high taxes on salt. And, you know, being from New England, we had the big tea party and we're like, screw you guys. And we took that tea and threw it in the harbor. Uh, but there they were like, screw you guys. We're still baking bread. So we don't need your stinking salt. And also, I think uh, one of the things that the region is known for is really rich, deep food. So it's already got a lot of salt in the food now. And so you really don't even need that salt in the bread for you. And the bread, you're just taking that as scarpetta, which again is the little shoe. At the, so when you have your big bowl of pasta in the very end and you see all that goodness at the bottom, you take that little piece of bread and you whoop, the bottom of the bowl and you pop it in your mouth. All right, so let's talk about the recipe. I mean, this is about as easy as it gets with bread making aside from the air quotes here no need bread dough. But with this one, you just need, as with most bread, you have to plan out a little bit ahead of time. Patience is a virtue with bread making, as I have so learned. Bread making is usually not same day. So with this, you're going to do similar to what you do kind of with a sourdough starter, but you don't need to wait weeks ahead of time. You're going to use active yeast, flour, water, mixy mixy, small amount, I'll put a recipe out on the website, and that needs to sit on your countertop overnight. They call it a sponge, and that is going to ferment a little bit, help with the chewiness, the air bubbles in the bread, the teeny tiny bit of tanginess, and the next day, that's when you're going to add in all of your other ingredients, which is basically just more flour and water. And then you're going to knead it for about 10 minutes like you would a normal bread dough. Let it sit for about an hour on the countertop, maybe even a little longer, and then throw it in the oven and boom, bread's done. Super simple. Really can't mess this one up. 
I highly recommend making it. Try it without salt. I know it's gonna taste a little bland at first, but think about what you're using with the bread. You wanna use things that are very flavorful with this bread because this bread doesn't have a lot of flavor to it. And if you use really good flour, maybe you'll even taste the flour a little bit more because there's nothing masking it. So just enjoy Kinsley and let me know how your baking adventure goes. Tag me in anything on Instagram. All right, our next question. Steve in Washington asks, what else can I do with balsamic vinegar besides making a dressing? Okay. All right. I hear you, Steve. Let's talk. Let's talk balsamic. So to answer your question, I think we really need to talk about what balsamico, balsamic vinegar actually is. It's something I think that's very commonly used now kind of everywhere. Um, but what it is, is it's a condiment that is made from either, I think it's the Lambrusco grape or the Trebbiano grape. And it is literally starts off almost as wine and it gets aged in wooden barrels for a minimum of 12 years. The longer it gets aged, the sweeter and the more fermented and beautiful it tastes. Personally, I like a balsamic that, I mean, let me tell you, balsamic can range from maybe $10, most likely they're infused with sugar or coloring additives added to them all the way up to two or three hundred dollars for a bottle. I'm definitely not in the two or three hundred dollar range. I'm more in the middle, but there's a certain balsamic for certain things. I always keep two grades of balsamic in our house. Um, that's like straight up balsamic, not flavored. And really balsamic vinegar, balsamico is coming from the Emilia Romagna region, which is adjacent to what, where we are right now in Tuscany. It's totally relevant and it's really used everywhere. Balsamic can be used in many different ways. It doesn't need to just be for your salad dressing, especially if you're getting really good balsamico and when you see balsamic you want to make sure it has the DOP label on it it's a little sticker and you you see it sometimes on wine sometimes on olive oil it's every product that comes directly from Italy that is certified has this special sticker on it and what that's saying is that it went through rigorous tests and sticking to the traditional ways of making whatever you're consuming, whether it be wine, cheese, olive oil, balsamico, prosciutto di parma, whatever. Uh, so I think it's a, an important thing to look for when you're purchasing these products. I'll link to a picture of what that is on the website, as well as a few balsamicos that I personally like and think they're worth the money to invest in. Our one that we've had that I use quite often, uh, we have three actually, and the one that's like, the most expensive that I use very carefully. Um, we've now had for about three years. So the shelf life on them is probably anywhere from three to five years. Um, but I go through it all the time. And I think you will too, once you learn how to use it for more than just salad dressing. So let's go a little wacky. Well, you might think it's wacky. I think it's delicious. Strawberries, peaches, summer fruit but strawberries and peaches in particular especially strawberries there's something about really good because when you get okay back this up for a second when you get really good balsamic it's not thin it's 
a little more viscous. It's a little thicker. It's almost syrup-like in a way. And it's a little sweeter and intense. And so, and it also kind of picks up the notes and aromas of where it was matured in. So whether it was oak, smoked oak, French oak, a whiskey barrel, I don't know. Yeah, a port barrel, I don't know. You, you get where I'm going with this. Um, because as we know from episode four, grapes take on any of the flavors around them. So think of that, but now these grapes are super intensified because they've been aging for a lifetime in these barrels. And now it's going to pick up all of these. Oh, we could deep dive on this forever, people. But instead, let's talk about what we're going to do with it. So you're going to get some uber amazing fresh strawberries in the summertime from wherever you live. Or if you're in Florida, I think that season starts, I don't know, March, February, beats the hell out of me. I digress. And you're going to take that balsamic and you're going to just drizzle just the tiniest little bit on the strawberries. <gasps> Maybe even like some vanilla bean fresh whipped cream. Shut the front door. Mind blown. You could get some amazing strawberry gelato or strawberry ice cream and the tiniest little drizzle on top. Oh my goodness. Just, just stop it. Just stop it. All right. Or how about in the summertime with really good, super fresh peaches and you just slice them? Do you want to grill them? Grill them. Do you want to get some mascarpone and some whipped cream and mix that up with a little bit of vanilla bean paste that I love and I'm obsessed with? Put that in the center of the peach and then drizzle a tiny bit of balsamic on top of that. Oh my goodness. I'm definitely at it to, it's almost like the, huh, what am I tasting when you're eating like a marinade or... Sometimes I'll put it in barbecue sauces. Sometimes I'll put it in uh, Asian sauces. It's just this beautiful, it adds a beautiful round richness and like a tiny hint of sweetness and you don't know where it's coming from almost. You know, it just melds everything so well together. So I like to think about the notes and flavors, like taste your balsamic. What are you tasting when you're eating the balsamic? Okay. So I'm getting a little smoke. I'm getting a little sweetness. I'm getting some like dark ruby rich flavors. Where is that going to go? Let me think about a dish that would make sense to have those flavors in it. All right, let me add a few drops to it. Oh, let me add a few more drops. Really good balsamic. You can finish anything with it and it'll take it next level, whether it be finishing a piece of fish, chicken, Sometimes in a steak marinade, I add a little bit to it, or maybe I'll just drizzle a tiny bit on top. There's something about it that just, like I said, it puts a nice, it's a nice finishing touch on a lot of dishes. Just like a really good olive oil is a great finishing touch on a lot of dishes. Really good olive oil, you don't want to heat up and you don't want to cook with. It's going to break down all the beautiful flavors and nuances in it. With balsamic, it's the same way. You don't want to heat it. You don't want to really cook it up if it's a really good one. It's definitely more of like a finishing touch. Or you can mix it in a marinade to kind of round and balance everything out. But it's all about tasting. And to be honest, we all taste so differently. 
what I taste isn't necessarily what you taste because our palates are all so different. So my advice is taste your balsamic, first invest in really good balsamic, taste your balsamic, and then figure out what you like and try some funky flavor combinations. You'd be very surprised where it goes well. You know, like for example, I know some people who will put a tiny bit of the flavored balsamics in seltzer water. So there's a few stores I know, for example, there's one in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We've been to one in, oh, where in Maine is that? Kennebunkport, Maine. Um, And I'll link a few just, oh, Peterborough, New Hampshire. I guess there's, (laughs) we go to them in New Hampshire and Maine apparently. But you know what I'm talking about. Those olive oil and balsamic stores, they have like super funky flavors, whether it be like lemon white balsamic, blood orange, and they have all those little tasting cups. And pre-COVID, you would go in and taste them. And I'm literally doing the motions right now, even though you can't see me. So with those, they have things that have been added to them. Some sweetness has been added to them sometimes. Definitely like artificial flavors have been added to them. Nothing wrong with those. Those are super fun to play around with and you can get some great marinades and dressings out of them. But those in particular would be great in seltzer and also great in cocktails or mocktails. There's a cocktail type called a shrub and it's a vinegar-based cocktail um, that uses a lot of times those fun bitters and fruit. And this is a way instead of using maybe bitters or maybe combining bitters with the vinegar, and you know your favorite bourbon or a fun vodka or maybe it's a gin tequila and creating a cool cocktail your own craft cocktail so thanks for the question steve i really hope this helps and if you again make anything please tag me on instagram i love seeing all of your stuff all right let's try one more Lindsay, in austin texas writes What should we eat when we go to Tuscany? I don't want to miss anything. Girl, I hear you. That's like my one thing that whenever I'm out and about or like with friends eating or at restaurants or traveling, I literally don't want to miss a really good butt bite of food or a food adventure opportunity because I get like plate and food envy so easily like if I order something and then someone else orders after me and they sounded better oh, man am I bummed and like the struggle is real because I don't want to waste calories on shitty food no offense but sometimes I don't order correctly because I'm going for the more air quotes healthier route I'm air quoting a lot today healthier route um and I really wanted this buttermilk fried chicken So let's talk, Lindsay. So there's a handful of things. I mean, the region is known for a lot of food. And we're going to talk about that with our travel Tuscan experts in a moment. But, you know, you can get, especially in Tuscany, ribolita is a very popular dish. It's a twice cooked soup, bread soup, which you take that uh, stale Tuscan bread that you made. And you're going to make this like vegetable minestrone almost kind of soup with the bread in it and you cook it twice. I know it sounds maybe not something you're used to. It's really good in the winter. It's very comforting. It's like a hug in your tummy. The other thing that uh, you can make with the stale bread, which is very popular in Tuscany, is a panzanella salad. That's great in the summertime because you want to get super beautiful, fresh, ripe tomatoes, all different colors and kinds if you can, heirlooms. 
and you're going to mix that in with cubed up stale bread. You could toast it like croutons, but you want them to be like on the larger side because and I'm salivating thinking about this. I can't, I make myself so hungry talking to you guys about food. It's 9.30. I ate breakfast and I am starving now for a panzanella salad. I'm also craving warm weather food because right now today in New England, we're getting a huge nor'easter and I'm watching. It's beautiful. The snow just like cascading down in sheets almost. Um, not so beautiful though when all I want is warmness. So let's go back to the Tuscan sun. Um, anyway, so the panzanella salad, the tomatoes in the salad, and I make it also with fresh peaches when they're in season. So like you tomato, peach, maybe some onion, some herbs, salt and pepper. The the salt's going to help leach out some of the, in olive oil, the, um, the water and juice from the tomatoes. And that's going to help create the dressing almost. And so you want the bread to be on the crispier side, like, I tend to bake mine in the oven just to crisp it up a little bit more, but chunks, not massive chunks, but like, I don't know, maybe two inch chunks because you don't want it to turn into mush when you're mixing it in with all of the awesome veggies and stuff in this uh, chunky salad. So that's really good. Uh, there's also, I mean, the steak of Florence, the bistecca alla Florentine, I think it's what it's called. That is a massive steak for at least two people. It comes rare. Like you're not going to get it and cooked any other way. Don't bother ordering it if it's not your jam. I'm not kidding. It's utterly delicious. It's from a very special cow from a very small region. And it it's cooked a very certain way for a reason. I really highly recommend it. They cut it a certain way, table side. It's beautiful when you get it done and get it done right. Don't mess it up and order it any other way. I'm so sorry if you can't eat rare meat. If that's not your jam, this is not your dish. Because if you do it any other way, you're ruining. <laughs> I'm like pounding the desk. You're ruining the dish. I'm a you don't know this about me, but now you will. I am um, the oldest child in my family. And so it's my way or the highway sometimes. And I can be very stubborn with like, this is the way you do it. Like we're doing it this way. So this is the way you do it. We're doing it this way, people. Don't screw it up. And if you're feeling frisky, I would go on this fun street food adventure and you're going to get a Lampredato from like a uh, food cart in definitely in Florence and I'm I am very sure it is in other towns in Tuscany I feel very confident in saying that it is a warm delicious sandwich that is the okay just just bear with me people the fourth stomach of the cow it's no, 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 no. I didn't want, I don't want to lose you yet. It's like thinly shaved and marinated in like the most delicious juices. So it doesn't, I don't know what a stomach would taste like, but this stomach's delicious and it's shaved super thin, almost like a shaved cheesesteak kind of, but without the here in America, but without like the cheese and shit. And it's like a French dip. Okay, let's go with that. It's like a French dip because they shave it and then they put this kind of like relishy 
pico-y stuff on it. But before they do that, they dip it back in the juice. So it's like a wet, yummy, delicious sandwich. I know I probably lost everyone with that one, but we tried it and we were so happy we did. It was so delicious. And you have that with like a Peroni. Like you're going to drink a beer outside and eat this sandwich and stand in a piazza and it's heaven, heaven on earth. All right. I, I can't, I can't go any further into this question without bringing our experts on. They know so much more than I do. This couple is the coolest duo on the planet, I think. We stumbled across them from Google, thank God. They run the most beautiful, slow Tuscan tours. You can do anything. We did three with them. We went truffle hunting and then had a five course tasting menu with a family that we just truffle hunted with. It was amazing. We toured a few of the little country towns. We went to an organic winery and met a wonderful family and had the most beautiful experience in Chianti. We went to a cashmere goat farm and had an under the Tuscan style lunch. And yours truly bought an insane amount of cashmere yarn. I'm a knitter units with expensive yarn. I'm an, I'm a yarn snob. So let's give the warmest of warm welcomes, big hugs, and a huge round of applause and thank yous to my guests, Ariana and Alessio from KM Zero Tours. Hi, how are you? Ciao, ciao, ciao. So good to see you again. So good to see you, my Florence yay I'm so excited to have you guys here and we're so excited for and thank you so much for this opportunity really no thank thank you this is like a gift a gift from the heavens above so as you know today we're going to be talking about all things Tuscany because last week we just did a whole episode on Puglia where my people come from so this week we're going up north to the fabulous and very famous Tuscan countryside. So I wanna know, and I think everyone wants to know, what really makes Tuscan food stand out like compared to other food in Italy? Because Italy, like the, the regions, the food is so different region to region. So like why, what makes Tuscan food Tuscan? So um, in Tuscany, we love, uh, Olive oil, first of all, here mm-hmm. is the wine and the olive oil are the two big protagonists of our region. So everywhere you go, you will see these olive groves and vineyards. Uh, so let's say olive oil and wine are the big, 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 um, let's say main things on our tables. But then there's much more. So we, um, in Tuscany, we are famous, let's say, for all the charcuterie. Mm. So the prosciutto, salame toscano, and then also mm. finocchione, which is another specialty which has the fennel seeds. We are big fennel lovers in, in Tuscany. We put a lot of herbs on our uh, food. And um, so, yeah, also the Florentine steak, uh, which is, mm. you know, the beef. Mm-hmm. So meat culture, uh, also the kale the, during this time of the year, uh, you know, in the winter time, you have the Tuscan kale, 
the cannellini beans, uh, you know, with um, uh, fresh olive oil on top, mm -hmm. the bread soups, there is so much. Um, let's say in Italy, Italy is um, a small country, but it has such a diversity of yeah. climates and also of, uh, different productions. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, everywhere you go, you will find local specialties. And that's a reason, of course, to keep traveling and keep discovering. Absolutely. And do you feel like the food in Tuscany tends to be a little more like richer, a little more comforting? Even in the summertime, it is still a comfort kind of food, even though like a lighter version of a comfort food. But it is, it, it tends to be, at least from my perspective. It is absolutely correct. In every season, we love those kind of earthy, rich, comfort foods. Um, and uh, every every recipe has a little bit that, that flavor into it. I love it. I, I, I'm, gosh, the truffles, the truffles in Tuscany. <laughs> oh, the truffles. And you can get them all year long, like different versions of truffles. But, oh, man, the winter whites, man, oh man. How did you guys get started in the tour guide business? Well, it's a, it's a, um, um, it was a long time ago, actually. Alessia and I, first of all, uh, we are partners in work, but mostly partners in life. We, uh, we know and we are a couple since more than 15 years. So it's a, it's a, it's a basically a whole life uh, together. And um, so, of course, we started this company together, but we were together before that. And um, so I graduated in foreign languages and Alessio graduated in, in, in farming and uh, he's a sommelier. So we combined, my love has always been interacting with people, telling stories, sharing, you know, the cultures and uh, speaking foreign languages and meeting people from all over the world. Alessio is a little bit more introvert as a <laughs> character, but uh, he loves, loves, loves everything concerning products, producers, farmers, he loves all sorts of plants, uh, animals. He could spend the whole life just in a field. <laughs> and so we, we combined, you know, my, my passion for people and his passion for agriculture into this project. And, and you know, that was, that was how, how it started. <laughs> oh, it's so true. And like Alessia, once you get him started, like he gets a glass of wine in him. And if you get him started talking about anything to do with agriculture he is like an open book and bop it bop it bop it bop it bop but you're right like you just like me I'm very outgoing and you know loved people and yeah I I love Alessio he is just the sweetest little pumpkin ever. yeah yeah when 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 it gets to you know to farming and to producers he could talk like uh, like he becomes another person it's uh, it's incredible it's also a great uh, let's say combination mm -hmm. when we select new producers and new farms uh we always go together and we come back it's so funny because it looks like we have been in two different places because <laughs> my attention goes into the people and the service the warmth the beauty of the place the charm you know that if it's picturesque not picturesque and it's family owned the stories his attention is all about the product and so it's funny because i noticed him he doesn't notice and, and he is the opposite so it's just it's great because when we, you know, when we get back home, then, you know, if we are both happy, that's the right place to go. Totally. No, you guys make a great team. I mean, it is, it's humbling to be around you guys. Cause I mean, like you said, your partners in life, your partners in business, you have so much love and respect for one another, but you let each other shine in the most perfect ways. So my hat is off to you guys. You figured it out. 
15 years ago, you figured it out and it's not easy. I mean, I know it's a work. It's hard to do both, but you guys make it look so easy. You really do. I love you both so much. Um, part of what I noticed with you, with your, your business in general, but I don't know if it's a, it's a Tuscan thing, but you, you coined a term slow travel. What is slow travel? So slow travel is, um, that's a very interesting question and uh, there is a lot to say about it because mm. uh, first of all, a little bit about, some of you may have heard already about the slow food movement, mm -hmm. um, which is a movement which was started pretty much in the 90s, 80s and um, um, from Carlo Petrini, who, who is from Piedmont, the north of Italy. And that was a movement, which is still, of course, now it's very big and it became international, which was in opposition to the fast food movement. So the slow food movement, it was all about bringing the attention to the small little farms and small little producers. It was about um, supporting these people, but also to give them the right value. And um, especially uh, to give importance to the, uh, to the time you want to spend at the table with the other ones so it's not just about focusing on you know the price uh, and uh, you know the beauty from the outside of a product but it's also about the policy the passion which is behind it and especially the joy which that food is going to bring and mm -hmm. we initially let's say we are very good at that so to, mm -hmm. we're not just focusing on the quality which is of course, extremely important, but also in addition to the quality of the food, we also point the attention of the quality of the lifestyle, which mm -hmm. is also important because if you take that apple, you know, and, and you eat it alone in a dark place, you know, and uh, sit, uh, standing up, so without taking the time to sit down and to nicely uh, set the table, it doesn't taste the same. <laughs> You're 100% right. Yes, totally. Yeah, so that's a little bit the slow food movement. We decided, let's say, to apply the same concepts and, and into and let's say to bring them into the travel concepts as well. And that was the beginning of the slow travel. So slow travel, it is, it's, it's um, uh, there is a lot to say because slow travel, first of all, is about embracing a little bit the moment, embracing the atmosphere, the culture, res giving respect to the people you're visiting and uh, um, let's say giving your time and your attention. And that has to be an exchange. So the same kind of attention has to be given by the farmers as well who are inviting you in, in their homes. Mm -hmm. And so it's about sharing stories, learning from each other, spending time together. And, and let's say at the end you're going to give a totally different meaning to the product you're eating because you learn the story so it's not just about again the price or that label but it's it's going to be memories and those memories they're going to stay forever because if they are connected to some experiences you leave then that's it's there's no way you're going to forget that moment and that was let's say from our perspective it was one of the most important aspects we wanted to let's say to share because in my opinion Italy the reason why everyone falls in love with Italy is also about this hospitality and this lifestyle and 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 we wanted to try at least to to share it with others and you do and you do it so beautifully I mean I can attest to I was able to Todd and I were able to spend a few days with you guys and do 
some things that have resonated and stayed with us all these years later. And we cannot wait to come back and spend a whole week, a whole year, a whole month with you guys and just soak in all the love. And it, it really, from the bottom of my heart, it meant so much the time, the care, the attention, no matter how many silly questions we had, no matter how many stops we wanted to make, you guys were like, you became our, our family. And I mean, you still are to this day. We still keep in touch. And it's just, it's, it's something that, like I said, will always, always, always stay with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. This means the world to me also because we, we can say exactly the same. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's memories which stays with you. And, you know, then you can't wait. You have the feeling to have new friends and to have a new home where to return again and again. So it's, a, it's, it's I think that the country, especially in the countryside, you can really uh, focus on, on the, on those kind of relationships when you are in a city there is so much going on mm -hmm. and um you you don't really have the opportunity to 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 sit down and to meet and to get into the private homes of the people mm -hmm. there is like um because people tend to divide the private life and the business life and uh, the, that's of course it's normal because it's there is so much to do and uh, it's a busy life here in the countryside especially this time of the year apart from COVID, uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's always very quiet. There's not much going on. And so, mm -hmm. we, you know, then we look forward to the new season and to meet new people and to open our homes. And, you know, for us, it's like traveling, staying at yeah. home, like traveling because through the other ones. And um, yeah, so. no, it's great. So speaking of traveling, we have a couple of listener questions, if you don't mind. Of course, I would love to, 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 to respond. Okay, so Ashley in Chicago wants to know, what new tours are you thinking about doing for 2021? Ah, that's a good question. So we definitely had lots of time, you know, to uh, this year to discover new places and to meet new people. We have actually met some wonderful, wonderful artisans and uh, we can't wait to share them, you know, with uh, mm -hmm. as soon as uh, travel would be possible again, uh, you know, to, to bring travelers there and, uh, and to begin new adventures as well. But also we are actually going a little bit beyond that because um, we are also uh, building, let's say, creating finally Alessio's dream, which is um, about starting to offer Abruzzo in addition to Tuscany <gasps> and in our experiences it's of course we live in Tuscany so uh, you know the, the let's say our core uh, business the core of our tours will stay here in Tuscany but let's say Alessio's dream has been always Alessio by the way for, for those who don't know him he, um, he comes from Abruzzo, uh, which is another region. It is northern Rome. It is an amazing region, uh, all about national parks, and there's mountains, and there's the seaside, and so much food and mm -hmm. wine. And he, um, from the very beginning, he's an adopted Toscan, of course, because of me. Then, of course, he cannot complain because the, 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 here the landscape is yep. wonderful. <laughs> but uh, let's say, of course, he always needs uh, home and that uh, that would be an opportunity you know for for him to be able to share his uh home as well with travelers so we are working on that um and uh, we are planning to 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 do a 
in the future, in the near future, we need to understand if it's going to be this year, next year, we'll see. But in the near future, this is going to be a, such a fun experience for us as well, because it's going to be our first time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, the idea is to basically, because here now we have built a network with the wonderful you know, also guides who help us in the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, maybe for a week or two in, in the year, we just take the vans, we drive mm-hmm. to Abruzzo, we stay there for the week. Alessio will be the guide, so for once. Uh, the, the <laughs> and, uh, and it's going to be so much fun. So this is something that we are working on. Um, which we makes- want to be your first Abruzzo guest. So tell, tell me when we'll, we'll talk about it at offline. <laughs> Todd and I are coming. And also in our, let's say in our Toscan based experiences, um, let's say this, um, this lot of time we had to explore, we went actually further. Um, we, um, we are planning even for our week long itineraries mm. to do one day, to a different region. So to, 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 to plan for a, a, one day an earlier departure and to go, for example, to the Tuscan seaside or to Cinque Serre or to Umbria. So wow. to different regions which are close um, so that in, in one day we can explore and have a taste of a different culture and so that we can, you know, then we can compare and we can, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to be able to compare those the products, the cultures mm-hmm. of regions, which are very close uh, to Tuscany, but let's say different at the same time. So different. Like, that's the thing that people don't understand about Italy is that Italy, I mean, it varies so much, even from town to town, because it's one of those countries that people just assume, oh, it's pasta. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's a cannoli. Oh, it's gelato. No, 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 no. Like, it's, so there's so many intricacies and nuances to Italian cuisine in each tiny little pocket of Italy. I mean, it's, it's, it's my home. It's so special. Well, Ashley in Chicago, you've got a lot of planning to do because you're going to Tuscany. Now, Rosa in California wants to know what your favorite Tuscan comfort foods are. Hey. I, I love comfort foods in general. And as you already said before, Tuscany is very deep for comfort foods. Um, so I love um, during this time of the year, uh, which is still, let's say, winter, mm-hmm. we have um, Tuscan soup, which is called the ribollita, mm-hmm. which, which means reboiled, which is a bread soup in the past. Bread. So there's um, bread was done once every week in the past. By the farmers and of course uh the first days bread the bread was fresh but then of course it was becoming harder the more the days were going to the end of the week and so when the bread was harder they didn't want to throw it away of course uh so they tuscan people started to make all these bread soups basically by soaking this uh hard bread in the water so it would become soft again and then cooking it with whatever was in season so as we are talking about the winter time, this ribollita has the cannellini beans and the Tuscan kale as their main ingredient. And then, of course, with the olive oil, which, you know, has this very rich flavor mm. still. The olive oil was just harvested and in October and then pressed, you know, November, December. So let's say still very fresh and rich in their flavors. Mm. So that's one of the best uh, comfort foods, let's say, we can have 
wow. right now. And then that's very Tuscan. And Abruzzese instead, because again, we are both combining our passions here. Uh, so Alessio's perspective from Abruzzo, instead, it's the polenta, which is another <gasps> comfort food uh, from Abruzzo. We do have polenta also in Tuscany, but we cook it in a different way. We slice it. Mm -hmm. And then we bake it in the oven and again with the Tuscan kale and then scamorza, which is this melted cheese, uh, which mm -hmm. melts on top. Or with the ragu, um, you can put mushrooms, um, mm. all these kind of things. But we do like crostini, crostini or crostoni, instead of having the bread that we use polenta. And instead in Abruzzo, they, uh, they cook it liquid, still liquid, um, and then they pour it on a board, a wooden board, and then they uh, put on top the ragu, uh, oh. sausages, and then you eat it like that. It's delicious. In any case, oh. like I love polenta in all ways. Mm. Yeah. It's so. hard. You know, I've tried so hard to recreate polenta here in the U.S. that I've had in Italy, and it's nearly impossible. It's either too coarse or it just gets too gummy. It's, there is some magic that happens with the polenta in Italy that you, I can't read. And maybe it's the cornmeal. Maybe I need to buy Italian cornmeal probably, but yeah. the, the flour is important. Like mm -hmm. the corn flour, if you want to make a good polenta, you need to have a good flour. That that's, that's the, the, yeah, probably that's the reason because then for the rest is water mm -hmm. and then of course and then you need to be very patient and very strong yeah, i know for a long time. time yeah like risotto time <laughs> just lots of time and love all right well i'm gonna have to google some recipes or maybe if you have any recipes you could email me them and i could put them on for the listeners maybe yeah. a, a ribulita and a polenta recipe yeah okay great, great. Yeah. perfect um all right well this is going to be a longer question. And again, full disclosure, this is from my mother. So Hello. I know, ciao, ciao. So she says about 15 years ago, we stayed at a wonderful villa in, I'm going to butcher this, Montestigliano near Siena. Among our favorite memories is this amazing Zuppa di Fungi we had several times at a small local restaurant. We've tried to recreate it over the years, but nothing matches the depth of flavor of their soup. Do you have any tips for developing the deep, rich flavor or any special mushrooms? Should they be dried or fresh? What herbs do you use? Michelle in Florida would like to know. Okay. My mother. Yeah, perfect. So, uh, yeah. So Tuscany is very famous for mushrooms as well. Um, and uh, as most of, you may know about the porcini mushrooms and then of course the truffles and then we have so many other mushrooms so the um for us mushrooms is a big ingredient especially in the pool so the first the first thing is at least in the italian cuisine seasonality plays a huge role mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the recipes you want to make because um if you're coming to tuscany in the fall you're going to have like totally different recipes than if you're coming in the spring. So the, the, the first thing which is important to, to know for, you know, for making good meals, it is to follow the seasons, mm -hmm. uh, if it's possible, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so the, uh, the, let's say the soup with mushrooms, it is usually served in the fall. Mm -hmm. 
and winter so like let's say yeah uh, usually from let's say from september until now until the beginning of march or something like that as a as an herb we use parsley usually um sometimes some thyme uh, we can add just to give a little bit more a twist of uh, freshness um we tend to use so italians get very strict I don't know if you have the same in the United States, but Italians get very strict about when to use onion and when to use garlic. We yes, can... you do. And you don't chop garlic up in your food at all. Yeah. No, 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 never, ever. No, I know. We do, we do what, what we do in Italy is two things which are the base of the Italian, basically, um, mm. which is the soffritto and the battuto. So fritto, it's basically either onion or garlic mm -hmm. with olive oil, and you saute in the pan before mm -hmm. to cook anything. Mm -hmm. And the battuto, it basically is the same concept, mm -hmm. but to the to the olive oil and garlic or um, onion, you also add celery and carrots. Mm, okay. Top them with a mezzaluna. I don't know if you ever seen this. It's like a, a knife, a half moon knife, mm -hmm. and you do like that, and mm -hmm. and up very finely and then you put everything with the olive oil on a pan on a pot and mm -hmm. then you let them uh, stay there for a few minutes and then you're ready to cook anything in mm -hmm. basically the Italian cuisine there is a big debate about when to use the garlic and when to use the um, onion and actually it's funny because uh, during as soon as you go to some friend's house or something you can discuss for the whole day Saying, yes. for example, I I use the garlic and the other one says, but I use the onion and it used to like, but my great great grandmother is <laughs> like, totally. like of centuries, you know, because each <laughs> it's it's so funny that we get so serious to yeah. talk about garlic and onion. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of mushrooms would you put in the zuppa de fungi? Echo, garlic. No, I know garlic. What kind of mushrooms? What kind of fungi? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Fungi? No, no, you're I, fine. And uh, uh, so the mushrooms, it depends on the season. Yeah. But let's say uh, porcini for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and then sometimes um, the Maybe other. Maybe or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any, any mushrooms you, you, you can find. It's usually a mix. It's not usually... Mm only one kind of mushroom, it's usually a mix of, and then also what we use a lot in our Tuscan cuisine, especially for also for soups or so, uh, but also for, you know, for any other sauce, we tend to, uh, at the very beginning, so you first do the sofrito, so with mm -hmm. the garlic um, and then olive oil and parsley, you let them stay a few minutes, mm -hmm. and then you add the mushrooms, you let them saute all together, a little bit of salt, and then you add a little bit of white wine mm. and then you let them saute, you know, together. And then as soon as the alcohol is evaporated, then, you know, you start to cook, you add the, the broth and all the, whatever mm -hmm. you want to, you want to do. Okay. Yeah. So perfect. That's all right, mom, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Ariana says, so I will type that all up and I will put it on the website for my mother. <laughs> all right, we have one more listener question. It's coming from Tyson in Arizona. And he wants to know when is the best time of year to visit Tuscany? So that's another interesting question. The answer is anytime for this. I agree. Reason. I totally, I mean, we came in January and it was yeah. fabulous. So 
it it really depends uh, also our let's say our work is about trying to uh, give value the best value to every season that's a little bit our our work here so when i get a request one of the first questions i ask is in which season you would like to come because according to the season i will offer different experiences mm -hmm. which you know are the best in that specific time of year so for example spring which is coming now like it's going to be the next season coming uh it's all about uh cheese and honey and you know the the fresh vegetables like artichokes and asparagus and you know the uh the hikes uh mm -hmm. in the nature because the nature is all in bloom and you have these flowers so the fresh picnics Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because it's it's when the nature, but also we are waking up after a whole yeah. winter staying in the houses. So you know, it's um it's really about giving value to these kind of products. Mm -hmm. Then the and then the summertime, it's about the sunsets and you know staying outside and you know the sunflowers mm -hmm. um, and the wheat. It's all about the wheat are ready to be harvested. So beautiful colors as well, but totally different. Totally different, um, yeah. The fall, of course, is you know probably the most famous. Yeah. Wine, olive the oil, yeah. mm -hmm. the big harvest. So the chestnuts and the truffles and the wine and olive oil. Um, the colors they are beautiful because the vineyards they 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 change the color into the golden colors. Yeah. And and the winter time, the ones you experience, mm -hmm. I love winter as well because first of all, you know the Christmas season is wonderful because in Italy we have all these Christmas markets and uh, mm -hmm. you know, we we put the Christmas trees all over, plenty of lights. Uh, people are very relaxed uh, because you know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long holidays in general, also yeah. for people who are working, and so people have the time to relax, to enjoy. They dress up nicely, you know, and we uh, the shops are very beautiful, and um, um, and also it's it's a beautiful time to spend indoors because you know, like cooking together and yeah. uh, uh, cozy in front of the fireplace. Uh, the cuisine is you know very very rich and um, beautiful. Let's say. Yeah. So every season, I would say. Is, yeah, uh, I agree with you. And I, I like, I mean, especially being in Tuscany and eating just really beautiful wild boar and the porcini mushrooms and tons of pasta. And yeah, it's it, winter is, I think, spectacular because it gets, I don't know how warm it gets in Tuscany in the summer, but I mean, in Southern Italy and Roma and in other places, it is brutally hot in the summer. And I yeah. can imagine Tuscany gets pretty warm too. Maybe not as warm, but probably pretty warm still. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's still beautiful, but it's just different. Like, like you said, you're going for the sunsets you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, the summertime is hot. I then, um, it, it's about, again, trying to understand, to, let's say, to arrange days in a different way. So to, mm -hmm focus more on the afternoons and evenings uh, of course than in the middle of the day to uh, to you know to but let's say yeah I love I I love winter mm -hmm. and, and I love spring and I love fall and but let's say every season again has yeah um, has it has its good points you're absolutely right yeah. so if I wanted to make some 
really authentic Tuscan food in my own kitchen here in the States or anywhere in the world that anyone's listening to this that doesn't live in Tuscany, what do, are there like maybe a couple of ingredients that I make sure I have in my kitchen to make an authentic Tuscan dish? So, um, yeah, there are. Um, I would say, first of all, olive oil and wine. Good (laughs) olive oil. Really good. Good olive oil. And and what makes, okay, what makes a good olive oil and what makes good wine for you? The good olive oil, first of all, it has to be extra virgin. Mm -hmm. That's important because it gives you, um, it gives, it's like the first press and cold press. Which is very important because with the first with the first press you basically don't alterate the content of the olives. First press means basically just they are pressed through mechanical systems without using any chemistry, and this is important because the chemistry chemistry would alterate and would change the quality of the olives themselves. Mm-hmm. So in the big factories, they you know they tend to use uh, chemistry and high temperatures in order to extract more, so to have more product. But then it's all about the quality. So the quality uh, goes uh, down yeah. in order to have more products, which is not what you have to, what you want to obtain. Imagine that from one olive, only let's say if you are very lucky, you obtain uh, from one olive, it can go up to the 15%, which can turn into olive oil. You have from the 90 to the 85% of waste. Wow. So, yeah, it's a very precious, uh, let's say, precious uh, um, ingredient. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but it has to be like there is no way. That's why so many factories they try, you know, with a higher temperature to extract more so they can make more money. But let's say we, um, for us, extra virgin, it really protects you from the quality um, of the product. So that's very important. Also, it's important to see where where the olives come from that's also another point which you know i love olive oil from other countries as well it's not just about i'm not saying mm-hmm. only in italy yeah yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. is the best uh, i i <laughs> <laughs> but let's say it's uh, then it's all about the taste i love actually there is a big difference even as you were talking about puglia perhaps I mean, you the, the olive oil from the south is very different from the olive oil from yes. from, from the north. Uh, it is more mild. Um, I think it it all makes sense in uh, um, in if you think of the food you are enjoying together. For example, in the south you have the, the fish, mozzarella, and yeah. you know very light cheeses, very light uh, flavors, and so a light olive oil works perfect. Mm-hmm. If we in Tuscany had that light olive oil, probably it would disappear because the flavor of the food would be too strong for that kind of You're hundred percent right. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have multiple olive oils in your kitchen? Like one that you cook with, one that you might finish a dish with? Yeah. So that's something important to know. In Tuscany, we are obsessed uh, with the olive oil. And uh, so we uh, usually, we are spoiled because we have uh, olive oil is uh, let's say very easily available here so what we do we use the olive oil uh, from the previous years to cook and we use the fresh one uh, to dress to finish because olive oil is a product which um, has a, a short mm-hmm. life it, it is let's say can keep the same characteristic for about two years 
three years maximum, mm -hmm. then um, you would never throw it away, of course. But let's say then it loses the flavors and the taste. Mm -hmm. So it's different from the wine. The wine, you the, the longer you age it, the better it gets. But the olive oil, it's not. I had some guests who were asking me, I bought this precious olive oil. I'm keeping that for special occasions. And I'm like, no, you need no. to make that special occasion right now. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. The longer, the longer you wait, the, it then really, the it can go bad and it can taste really off and bitter. And you don't want that. Like you want the, olive oil needs to be used as fresh as humanly possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then, so we uh, we have this kind of uh, uh, different. We use the older olive oils for cooking because they will lose yeah, anyway yeah. the flavors. And then we we use the, the fresh one to dress uh, at the end. Uh, if if people don't have that opportunity, you can get different quality of extra virgin. My own suggestion would be to use extra virgin in any case. So mm -hmm. both for cooking and for dressing, but just maybe a different a different quality so like maybe a little cheaper one for cooking and mm -hmm. a, a more expensive for finishing mm -hmm. but let's say we always if you cook pasta or if you cook any soup uh, or if you cook any vegetable you always finish like with a mm -hmm. sea of olive oil at the end always because it brings out all the flavors so this is very important mm -hmm. and another thing which is very important to make it like the tuscan mm -hmm. sweet it is the tuscan herbs so we love fennel, sage, rosemary. Those are like pepper. Uh, those are always present um, in, let's say, in our in our kitchen. We either have those little plants yeah. right outside our homes, and we just harvest them whenever we need them. Yeah. Or we have them dried, either um, let's say on their own or already mixed together with the sea salt. So it's like a, a, a salt, which is already flavored with all these herbs. I miss Tuscany. That's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. So you see a lot of tourists. You, that, that's what you do, right? Now I have to ask, and if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to, but what, like, we come to Italy with these like preconceived notions and we also come with our own bag of crazy. What are some of the things that tourists do that Italians just think we are crazy? <laughs> so it makes me laugh uh, because especially Alessio is famous for his rules. He's mm -hmm. trying to teach the whole world about how to be a proper Italian, whatever. I love it. I, teach us, teach us. We need help. So uh, one of the, one of the, it's funny because then it's, uh, you know, um, in, we can do two different things now from the day trips, which is one day and we spend together with the guests to a whole week. And so, especially with the longer itineraries, uh, by the end of the week, we are really like uh, friends uh, and we yeah. can have and uh, you know with no problem to exchange and it's funny because one of the first things that Alessio almost uh, dies if he sees something like that is when we have some guests who order cappuccino after lunch <laughs> that is you know that is like I I, I can't see Alessio's face already like no <laughs> and, then, and then he said I thought okay one moment of attention <laughs> and then he begins you know all serious yeah i am i am more 
is I'm more laid back. You know, my family is a little bit a mix of cultures and yeah. he is the real, like super serious Italian in our family. And so he gets so serious. And then with this, like, with the face, he looks at the guys and he's like, no cappuccino after 11. No, <laughs> never, <laughs> never. No, you have espresso, you have cafe, un cafe, yeah. nothing else. Yeah, we have cafe. We may have a macchiato, you know, with just a, a drop of milk. Maybe even a macchiato. I mean, that's a that's a stretch. Like you yeah. really, it's cafe. That's yeah. you're having espresso. And uh, um, and then another thing, which is, but I must say that it it doesn't really um, happen often. Uh -huh. Is the use of the Parmesan cheese. <laughs> in, I know that in our overseas i mean i love Parmesan cheese but you know for example there are some things where you tend not to put it for example if you have pappadelle with a wild boar yeah you know the wild boar is such a strong flavor that you don't want to ruin that with the parmesan because the parmesan is mild and it would just change the flavor of the wild you are there if you want the wild boar, you just get that wild boar. And same thing is with the porcini. When mm. you have, same thing is with the truffles. You know, if you have something which is so powerful and so rich and also so unique, mm -hmm. you just want to focus that attention on that product and without, let's say, having confusing it with other things. A drop of olive oil is always permitted. Olive oil yeah. is always, permitted, but not like she is also you know, it's, uh, Americans love to put cheese on everything. Like my friend who was doing the Puglia episode, she said like in Puglia, you can't put cheese and they use the Pecorino Romano down there. Like you're not putting that on broccoli or peas or any vegetables like that. Like no, no cheese near seafood, nothing. And the nothing. same thing, <laughs> you're saying the same Americans love cheese and we love grating it and putting it on absolutely everything. We like Italians, we like uh, very clean uh, flavors. So, so to not, not without putting too many things um, mm -hmm. on top, but just, you know, focus on that ingredient, which is going to make that dish mm -hmm. that unique. It's like, otherwise it's like growing it if you put too many things, otherwise you want to be, again, we get very serious. So we need to, we need to concentrate on that food. It's yeah, and it, it makes so, and you appreciate them when you're eating so much more because you're able to focus on it and take it all in versus masking it with a bunch of crap. So, and another thing, another thing which is funny this time is more um, on my side because mm. uh, Italians are always cold. Mm -hmm. For some reasons is that I see that people from other countries, when they come here, they're never that cold. So mm -hmm. the thing is the way we dress Italians, we are always, for example, we always wear the scarf uh, and the sweaters mm -hmm. and uh, the clothes shoes. Uh, we never really wear sandals. We wear sandals only in July, August when it's- At the cool. seaside, when you're at the seaside. Yeah. Yeah, at yeah. the seaside, but also in town, it's in the country, but when it's really summer. And and me especially, I'm always cold. So always I'm cold. Always I know you're you're a little thing you're a tiny thing though. yeah I know something something which really makes me laugh is that um, um, it, especially in spring or fall uh, when we when you know I go to meet the guests to meet the family 
I, I go there and they look at me and they're like, is it going to be that cold today? <laughs> <laughs> and they, they're like, well, shall I bring a jacket or whatever? Like another, they're so worried because they look at me and it, it looks like we are on two different planets. <laughs> they have standards and, you know, swords or whatever. And I am dressed like it was in January. <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry, do not look at me. <laughs> no, I don't judge the weather by me. I'm always cool. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I love it. So I have to ask because you guys put out amazing content on your Instagram page, always about like what you're cooking, what you're making. What are you excited about cooking in your kitchen right now? And I know you just bought a house and you're moving, so you might not be doing that much cooking, but in the, like in this time, what are you making in your kitchen that you're really excited about? So we, it's a very interesting time. Um, this is a very interesting time for cooking because it's um, the end of the winter and the, but there is already something belonging to the spring coming out. Mm. So the thing is, again, going back to seasonality, we get so excited as soon as we can find a product that, which you know it symbolized the beginning of a new season mm. and as soon as they, there's that, that part you're so excited you're like okay so what shall i cook then maybe after two months you cannot get like you, it's it's just about that product and you can't wait to have another product but yeah. say, that beginning is like wow so you know for example right now i could see the very very first artichokes are coming <sighs> you know the very very first one oh. and it's it's you know so we we start to do in the salad and in in the um you know just frittatine mm-hmm. in pasta in risotto and then there's you know then there's still the toast and kale so mm-hmm. it's it's a great mix because it really allows you to have such a big variety in in your kitchen so from you know still like the mushrooms and the, very very soon there will be the asparagus as well and, you know, and we go harvest them here. They grow wild in our mm-hmm. fields. So we just go out with our dogs and we harvest them. I can't wait to that moment. It's great because every from now until, let's say, the end of um, March, every day you go to the market and you have a surprise. So the, the, the beautiful thing is that we, as Italians, we never really had the plan is growing together with what you, you find at the market. Mm-hmm. So you go there and and whatever is in season is like wow the leeks or you know mm-hmm. let's let's do a risotto or let's do mm-hmm. a pasta leeks and sausage or you know then and then you you build your menu according to what is is available. Yeah, I think that I mean I wish I could live like that. Our grocery stores and markets aren't nearly as uh, seasonality seasonal as as you guys are, and the food that you eat is so much more flavorful and just special than the stuff when you buy a tomato now I mean not no and you would never eat a tomato in February no 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 just uh, you know you you have other ways for example the sun-dried tomatoes uh, Mm -hmm. you know they're always good because they have been dried and then and then kept in in the olive oil uh, Mm -hmm. uh, or you know you can you can do the tomato sauce and then put them in jars Mm -hmm. so you you can have some ways to to enjoy it but of course yes like the fresh tomatoes the the way they Mm -hmm. are we need to wait a little bit uh, a few more so speaking of things to enjoy i want you to talk about your incredible gift boxes that you guys are making right now and that is a great way for any of us to enjoy things from your region 
Yeah. So this is um, a small little project we began a few months ago. And so it's really at the beginning and we are so excited because the very first edition we created, it was for Christmas and it was about sharing the Christmas because Christmas here in Italy is very important as a holiday. And so we thought, you know, now as the world is so, you know, confused right now and it's, you know, we, we have this sense of loneliness. We cannot, you know, we can travel, we cannot meet our fa family and friends. Mm -hmm. So shall, what shall we do in order to stay connected and you know, also to support all our friends and producers here with now, you know, restaurants are closed. So it's mm -hmm. difficult because there is no tourism, there is no other businesses for them. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so we said, what shall we create? And so we came up with the idea to create these gift boxes about bringing Tuscany to you in, in your homes. And uh, uh, so the Christmas edition has gone very well. I, I didn't expect such a wonderful response. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we decided to, to keep doing that. And uh, we have in plan some great editions, uh, which are, which just have been uh, released, like published. And uh, the first one would be, of course, for Easter, because it's like the new, mm -hmm. the new uh, celebration, the new holiday, which is uh, coming out. And so with, with Easter, of course, uh, a whole celebration of spring mm -hmm. um, and so there will be all the most famous let's say uh, products we enjoy in the spring and during Easter so from the Colomba uh, which is this very traditional cake we enjoy here in Italy to the cheese to the artichokes to the asparagus to the honey <laughs> and even there will be a little surprise again from Abruzzo <gasps> so it will be a mix of uh, Tuscan Abruzzese specialties for Easter, very colorful box, and I'm I'm very very happy uh, with the results. We just finished uh, uh, doing all the details, and uh, I am very happy with, uh, with, with seeing what we uh, we have created, and I can't wait to. Share oh, I can't wait to order mine! I'm so excited. I need some Italy in springtime right now <laughs> in my life. Like it's snowing out as we're speaking, and I'm looking out the window, and it's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Tuesday, we got about 18 inches of snow. Wow. Yeah, wow. I know. I know. I'm over it. Bring me to touch. <laughs> um, so how, how can people get a hold of you? I'm going to connect everybody on my website to you, but what's your Instagram, email, website? Okay, so thanks for asking this. Um, so our website is www.kmzerotours.com. Mm -hmm. Something you may wonder is about our name KM Zero, uh, which you know you, you may wonder what does that mean? And it actually refers going back to the slow travel and slow food movement I was telling you before. It's about the close relationship between you, the visitors, and the farmers. So this KM Zero means zero kilometers, so zero miles, zero distance between the visitor and the farmers. And you know you will see this in our website because it's it's all about our vision. It's all about these uh, connections. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, our website, our official website is www.kmzerotours.com. And then we are also on on Instagram under the same name, KM Zero Tours. And then uh, on Facebook as well, KM Zero Tours. You if if you type KM Zero Tours, uh, you will it'll find pop right up. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. You guys have amazing stories and content on all of your social platforms. So I can't stress to people enough. If you just need a wisp of Tuscany in your life, 
subscribe to them and then call them and go on these tours. I went on some and I can't wait to go on more. So I know you have a ton, I I know it's nighttime where you are. So dinner, you probably need to have aperitivo and start (laughs) thinking about dinner. So I have one more question for you, if you don't mind. If COVID wasn't a thing and money was no option, where would you go and what would you eat? Ha! Allora, let me think. At this point, we have, uh, you know, at this point, we have friends all over uh, mm-hmm. the world. So it's uh, that's a tough question. So I, many, many, to many places. But if I had to choose one, perhaps uh, I would probably go to, to Greece, actually, mm-hmm. because I have been, when I was, a child and I loved it and Alessa has never been and uh, you know they have a very beautiful cuisine and uh, um, a very beautiful tradition so probably that would be um, yeah. that would be our first and then from there I have such a long list <laughs> I know I know when you guys are so busy all the time you don't get to travel nearly as much as I'm sure you want to yeah, as the other yeah. So in, in Europe, uh, um, there's many places. And then, of course, outside Europe, I've been actually to Australia when I was 19 years old. And I would, I would love to go back again with, with Alessio because mm-hmm. he has never been. And then, of course, I would love to come once to the United States. Please <laughs> come and stay with us and I will be your tour guide and we'll go around and you'll have a, a slow Boston tour. We'll have I so- would love... I have never been in the United States yeah. oh and I would goodness. love, love, love. There's so many, yes. so many states I would love to visit. So it's, it's Well, you're starting here in Massachusetts and then I'll share you with the rest of the world. Well, I cannot thank you enough. I love you so, so, so much. Give Alessio a huge hug and kiss for me and Todd. And we cannot wait to come and visit again. Thank you. Same for us. We cannot wait to see you again and to give you a giant hug. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much. Grazie mille. Ciao, 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 ciao. Wow. Ariana and Alessio, thank you both so much, so much for coming on and chatting. Everyone, if you're going to Tuscany, please check them out. KM Zero Tours. I'll put all of their contact information on the website, on the show notes. What a pleasure. I know for me, I can't wait to go back. So with that said, thank you again for listening. If you have any food questions, any questions at all, send me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. Do you want to work together? Do you want to be on the podcast? Send me an email. Check out my Instagram. Let's go on a food adventure. And as always, be safe. Treat each other with kindness and have amazing food adventures for me. Love you guys all. See you soon.